It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. Um, no doubt you've seen the trailers for the movie Father Stu. It's, it's got some big-name talent involved. Mark Wahlberg plays Father Stu, and Mel Gibson is also a major character in the film. Um, you know, obviously those two names involved are, you know, are, are a big magnet for getting people to go see the movie. Um, because of the movie, you know, Father Stu will likely become well-known throughout the country and, and throughout the world. But here's just a little short version of his life story in case you haven't seen anything. Stuart Long was not uh, not exactly an angel in his younger years. Um, a lot of searching and trying to figure out what was the purpose of his life, um, not unlike most of us. Um, after he survived a serious motorcycle accident, he had a major conversion. Um, he became um, a priest. Uh, he developed a progressive muscle disorder. And then he, he died in 2014 at the, at the age of 50 years old, just 50. Um, his story really is about purpose and the power, um, the purpose and power of suffering. And we are in the Easter season and Christians all over the world understand that the great salvation came from great suffering. The crucifixion of Jesus brought a, a cosmic level redemption. You may watch the movie and get to know Father Stu, but Father Bart Tolleson knew him personally, and he joins me now to, to shed light on this, really, this humble priest, this really incredible story. Um, Father Bart, thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Yes, thanks for having me. Now, as I understand it, you consulted on the film, right? I consulted just briefly as they were getting ready to shoot the film. I got a few phone calls and they just a few questions about uh, this or that. And then also just their promise that they wanted to make this the best version that they could for for the honor of Stu. How did I mean, how, how was it to work with, you know, Mark Wahlberg and, and Mel Gibson? I mean, how much did you actually talk to them? Oh, well, I just, you know, phone calls here and there. Um, not really that long. We basically, I mean, mainly we talked about faith mm -hmm. and yeah. that you really kind of have this, this, this project was going to challenge their faith and, and help them to grow. And uh, so I just said, you know, if Stu's involved, uh, he's going to challenge you <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> what. So what was Mark Wahlberg's more, more focus when he talked to you? What, what did he kind of focus on? You know, he just was really wanted to, to to let me know they wanted to do honor to Stu with this film. And it had been a long time getting it organized. And, um, you know, they did probably didn't have all the details, but they had enough. He felt like to, to be able to to go forward with the script that they had. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was very humble. Also, I know that as they were starting to shoot the film, you know, he told me about the loss of his mother. And I know kind of behind the scenes that mm -hmm. his performance, that was in his heart and on his mind, certainly that he brought that that loss to his performance in the film. And when you when he said that this film was going to challenge his faith, did he explain that a little bit more? Like how this film would challenge his own faith? Well, I don't think he really knew how it was going to until he kind of got to the middle of it, and then realizing that 
you know, he has to do things. Uh, now he's going to start doing more things based on his faith. Uh, mm-hmm. He can't just do them for himself. And, you know, he himself had said, you know, that, that he had spent his time as an actor and a performer working up to this very film, that this film is kind of a change for him to begin to work for God, basically, instead of for himself. Yeah, I mean, we know Mel Gibson's faith because he produced and created The Passion of the Christ. Um, and he is an incredible, he is a very faithful Catholic. Um, but I, we really don't hear about Mark Wahlberg that much. Um, you know, I mean, were you surprised that he would want to take on this film or was it, did it seem in character with him? No, I think knowing his background, it seems very much in character. I mean, Mark doesn't shy away from his faith and, you know, occasionally he'll post this or that with Ash Wednesday post and things like that. So, you know, he's practicing. He's a man of prayer. Uh, and so it, it did not surprise me that it was Mark Wahlberg kind of that decided to take the story forward. And and in some ways, I think maybe Stu picked Mark Wahlberg to take the story <laughs> forward. Well, let's get to Father Stu, because you knew him. How well did you know Father Stu? So Stu and I were ordained together in 2007 uh, here in Helena. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were friends before that. We had gotten to know each other fairly well in the summer of 2006. And after we were ordained priests, we shared different aspects of our priestly ministry in Helena together. There were times I was here and he wasn't, and times he was here and I wasn't. But we shared a lot of our priesthood here in the same town. And so I got to see him minister, got to see, you know, that 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 life that, you know, is, is kind of a slow burn in terms of his disease, mm-hmm. but also a slow burn in terms of the light he brought to so many people. So many hearts. He was only a priest for seven years before he died. I mean, I think that's just incredible. Yeah, not even seven years, six and a half. Yeah. Wow. What did he ever talk about? Like, what was the final motivation for him to become a priest? That God wanted him to be a priest. And if God wanted it, he was going to do it. (laughs) That's how he put it very pretty simply. Wow. He tried yeah. He tried early on when he felt that call. He tried to ignore it. He tried to do other things. He dated some women. And it was so funny because Stu said, yeah, I, I dated some women. And sometimes I talk about being a priest on our dates. <laughs> and it was like, you know, dude, you can't take girls out and talk about wanting to be a priest. It's sending the wrong message. And so I think finally there was a woman he was on a date with. who just said, what are you doing dating girls? You need to get serious. And Stu kind of hit him right between the eyes, and from then on, he got more serious about thinking about becoming a priest. The early years we see in these um, um, the ads for the movie, and they focus really on the early years. Uh, I've not seen the movie yet, and I do plan to, but how much of the movie is focused on those early years and what he was about because we ultimately know he becomes a priest but i hadn't realized it was for only seven years um and he how many how those years are we, are we focused on so the, the the film really spends most of its time on you know his early years his his uh conversion to the catholic faith and then eventually his decision to pursue priesthood we don't see a lot of his priesthood in the film we see a few scenes that are very good, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really deal with his priesthood. Now, there's a whole nother story to be told with his priesthood that the film doesn't really even approach. It just kind of hints at it. And um, there's so much in Stu's life. I mean, they they did a great job of telling this very complex story in a beautiful way in two hours. 
And it really does lead you into, uh, you know, Stuart Long's life and the different beats and his redemption and conversion. Um, what you've seen the film, obviously, right? Yes. Okay. What was your favorite part? Well, I don't know that I have every time I, I've seen it actually three times. Mm. And every time I see it, I have another favorite part. Mm-hmm. Uh, initially, it was kind of fun just to see some of those scenes from Stu's early life that he told me about actually seeing them being played out by these actors and, and a very uh, witty sort of script. And it was fun and it was funny. I was laughing a lot. <laughs> and then you, you know, then you kind of go forward to um, watching, you know, as Mark portrays Stu as as the disease begins to take a toll on his body. And he does a really good job with it. Some of the little details, you know, I really liked um, in terms of, you know, even his, his fingers, his hands, his, mm-hmm. his body motions did really good. And I, I also, you know, I don't know if I have a favorite scene. I also kind of really admired Mel Gibson's per- portrayal of Bill. Now, Bill Long is a little, it's not quite as extreme as, as Bill in the movie, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, it, they gets to a point of healing between father and son and healing a father's heart who's also lost a son, Stu's brother. And so it's a it's a really beautiful sort of a father son uh, theme that runs through it. That, that I guess the last time I saw it, I really I, I really liked that part. You know, was Stuart Long born into a Catholic family, or was it a nominal sort of Christian family, or what kind of early life did he have um, yeah, spiritually? I mean, a not a nominal at best. Mm. <laughs> so I mean, there was there was they went to church occasionally. They're not Catholic at all, mm-hmm. and uh, Bill had been baptized and. Kathleen hadn't even been baptized, and now Kathleen you know, is who? I think really, Kathleen, Kathleen is his mother. Is Bill's, yeah, Stu's mom and okay. Bill's wife. Okay. And I think at the end, you know, they lost. Uh, Stu lost a younger brother when he was uh, nine or ten, mm. and uh, that I think that loss, you know, it's just there's a lot of questions about why. Yeah. And that kind of pushes you a little bit away from faith. And so Stu said the closest thing he had to experiencing organized religion when he was growing up was. There was a shortcut to his school through the cathedral in Helena, and he would run through the cathedral, and the sacristan would scream and yell at him every day, and <laughs> Stu would laugh and keep running. So he goes, that was the closest thing to organized religion I had growing up, running wow. through the cathedral to get to school. And what was his sort of focus? I mean, I, I talk about the other short version where he was no angel growing up, but what really, I know you didn't know him then, but when you, when he talked to you, what what did he talk about his early life? What was it like? You know, I think uh, one is he felt, I mean, he did feel loved. And he said, you know, there was there was always food for me to eat. And, um, you know, there's always a place for him to be. Um, I think, you know, it was, it was hard for Stu. Bill would take jobs out of town and he'd be gone for a couple of weeks. Then he'd come back for a little bit. Then he'd be gone again. And so the film depicts, you know, basically Bill working away from, from Montana. Mm-hmm. And that's that's true to a large degree. And so. I think even Bill Long regrets not being there sometimes for Stu's growing up. And yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if there were hard feelings, but there's still a sense of loss that Stu sometimes would express. Yeah. He yeah. had great respect for his mom. I know that. He, he had great respect for his mom. And uh, his mother was one of the few women Stu would actually listen to. So because <laughs> <laughs> um, she, she she I shot it to him straight. When he... Um, had this accident, motorcycle accident. Um, was that the thing that converted him, or was that kind of the turning point in his life? 
this motorcycle yes, accident? Absolutely. Because, you know, Stu had, he had actually gone to, to Carroll college uh, in Helena. It's actually where I'm assigned right now and live. But mm-hmm. uh, despite the fact it was a Catholic college, you know, Stu, he didn't really take to religion, even having taken religion classes. And so his heart was just kind of like, Oh, that's for kind of, you know, God's for losers. And I, that's a bunch <laughs> of mumbo jumbo. Um, the first time he went to mass, uh, he just said, I just noticed there were a bunch of stained glass windows of people who were getting killed. And there was some dude dressed like Johnny cash. That was his description <laughs> oh of his first goodness. mass. So anyway, he, uh, he went to, uh, that accident. The thing he knew, I, there was something kind of a mystical experience that happened because he he saw his own death as a real possibility and he knew this he knew he had been spared mm-hmm. god had spared him for a purpose and he didn't know about god or why he was spared but it was pretty quickly after that that uh, the the woman he was dating and seeing had said look if if you want to marry me you have to become catholic and he was now open to actually listening and receiving that so uh, as Stu learned about the Catholic faith, he he took it seriously, and his it began to fill his heart. But 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 the, so he became a Catholic with the intention of marrying this woman, or with that in his mind. Yes, that was all plan. It was like they were in marriage prep. Oh my goodness! And my understanding, they were in marriage prep, and they were and he was becoming Catholic, and so he you know he was going to become Catholic, and then they would get married in the Catholic Church. Oh, this is really wild. Anyway, I want to take a break right now on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Um, and we're talking with um, Father Bart Tolleson, who's a very dear friend of Father Stu, the movie that's coming out um, over the Easter season. Um, we'll be right back with more. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear Podcast, featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back on Lighthouse Faith Podcast talking with Father Bart Stolison, who is a dear friend of Father Stu. And, you know, um, before the break, Father, um, you talked about how you know, Father Stu joined the Catholic Church with the intention of, you know, marrying this woman. But then what happened? I mean, obviously he didn't. Yeah. So Stu said that when he was baptized, he had this the weirdest notion that hit him at a very profound level that he was supposed to be a priest. And he just kind of thought, well, that's a weird feeling. And he kind of ignored it. And it kept coming back to him during the first few days after his baptism. Mm-hmm. And he went and spoke to his priest about it. And the priest was like, oh, every young man has an idea to be a priest when they're baptized. It's very common. Don't worry, it'll go away in a couple of weeks, especially <laughs> in your case. You know, just focus on getting married. And But as Stu learned more about the faith, as he practiced the faith, he just fell in love with the faith. And that, that call to priesthood just kept coming back over and over. And eventually, you know, he and the girlfriend parted ways and he tried to date some other women and that didn't work out too well for him. And eventually he just, you know, he, he kind of worked his way toward making steps. He uh, eventually tried out uh, with the uh, Franciscan Friars of the Renewal in New York City. Oh, wow. And um, okay. from there, um, they kind of said, well, you're not really, you're, you're, you're a little too crazy for us, I guess. I don't know, though, even those friars are pretty crazy. But they encouraged him to go back to Helena, his hometown, and uh, become a diocesan priest. And Stu did that and and uh, studied for the Diocese of Helena. Oh, so he he didn't have this sort of muscle 
disorder at that point? Or when did that come in? No, no. Um, so Stu is, is, is kind of, his whole life was kind of an accident waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. He'd had a, he had fallen off this bike and had some, uh, knocked out a tooth when he was a kid. And that actually created some problems. And then in the boxing ring, uh, he took a, a pop to that jaw and it broke. And uh, that ended his boxing career. Then even in the auto accident, you know, he had, he had uh, broken his ankle and done some other internal damage. And also the jaw was re-injured pretty mm-hmm. severely. And so uh, Stu, you know, is kind of a rough and tumble. He was in good shape, but he had, his body had been pretty beat up. And then when he was in seminary, they they did a x-ray because he was having a limp and they realized he had a fist-sized tumor under his hip. Oh my goodness. So they uh, had to do a hip replacement uh, surgery. It was actually, uh, they did that right before Christmas and Stu spent the Christmas break in the infirmary at the seminary recovering. And he be- kind of bounced back after that. And then he told me, he said, you know, one day I was just sitting at the seminary and I was trying to put my clothes on and it was like every last bit of energy drained out of me all over the floor and I couldn't even button my shirt. Wow. And I thought something's not right here. And so he went back to the doctor for a while. They thought he had uh, ALS mm-hmm. and then they did more tests. And then it, they thought it was a, a curable uh, form of his disease called polymyositis. Mm-hmm. And then they realized it was the more serious, the terminal form of full inclusion body myositis. That diagnosis was definitive his last semester in seminary. And so you have this all of a sudden, this new huge thing about this guy. And I think the seminary, you know, the prognosis is it's terminal and you begin to lose the ability to move, you know, your limbs altogether. And it was like, how is this guy going to be a priest? Because he's got to move his limbs. And uh, so the seminary had, you know, kind of gave a negative evaluation on Stu. I Mm -hmm. think some of it maybe had to do with this stubbornness and tenacity, but um, <laughs> he was a straight shooter. And, you know, that's how Stu rolled, you no know, beating around the bush. But uh, with that, I think, you know, the seminary had given the bishop the evaluation. And then the bishop, Bishop Thomas, mm-hmm. had prayed and discerned. He delayed Stu's ordination, and mine was delayed as well. And um, it just discerned that Stu, it, this was a great call, and, and he was called to be a priest. And that he would ordain him and just uh, let trust God for for whatever would come in the future. You know, did he question God over this disorder and saying, God, you led me to be a priest, but now how can I serve you if I have got this medical condition that's going to take my life? Yeah, I I think, you know, honestly, I think the fact that the, the, the Franciscan friars had discouraged him from from joining them, that was kind of a, a little bit of a question. But then he saw another door with diocesan priesthood and uh, for Helena and, and going to study at Mount Angel in Oregon. And then with that, it's like when he got that negative evaluation, it was like, you know, there's so many saints that have had handicaps mm-hmm. that did so many incredible things. Well, why would that even be a consideration? Stu didn't understand it. And I honestly, uh, in some ways, I think he was right, you know, but um you know, the church has to be cautious about those things. And so Stu was, uh, Stu was sent on a pilgrimage to Lourdes uh, that was arranged for him to go on mm-hmm. in the uh, early fall of 2007. And when that was arranged, he told me, he said, you know, Bart, I'm going to go to Lourdes and get healed. And I was like, well, <laughs> that's great. I mean, I was kind of surprised by how assuredly he was, he was going to be healed. And so 
He went to Lourdes, France, uh, went into the waters, came out and thought he would be healed. And he, he, he stood up and he fell over back into the water. Oh, and he said at that moment, there was just this despondency, like, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right. You called me to be right. a priest. I've given up everything. I have this disease and you won't even heal me so I can be a priest. And then the next day, his one of his buddies that was with him encouraged him to go to confession and Stu did. And I think it was an important thing. And then Stu decided the next day, kind of a little secretly to go back into the waters. And the second time he went to the waters, he said when he came up, he wasn't healed physically, but interiorly, he had this overwhelming peace, mm. a heavenly peace, like whatever his fate was, was in God's hands, and he was going to be fine with that. And then eventually, uh, he went and w- had prayed at Notre Dame on the way back uh, to the States and prayed in front of a statue of St. Joan of Arc and had this real connection with St. Joan of Arc, feeling like you know her martyrdom and her sacrifices would going to reflect the future of his life. And... Um, that he eventually would carry a wheelchair as a cross for Christ, and that that was going to convert more people. His suffering was going to convert more people than if he had just been healthy. And so he said yes, and he was at peace. And he would do anything he could to extend his life. It wasn't like he was avoiding treatment. Right. And thank goodness for some of it, because it did give him more time as a priest. But eventually, he always said, this disease will claim my life, and it will claim it for Christ. And he was very much set on, on that way. Um, and then pretty quickly when he got back from that pilgrimage, Bishop had already decided that he would ordain Stu and ordain us together. And so it was a beautiful uh, day. Stu found out and, you know, just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a lot of trust in God. One of the things in the film um, that it shows, because in the trailer it shows him preaching to men in prison, um, was this a big part of his ministry? No, no. And I know I'm sure that he had done some prison ministry as a seminarian. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not sure early on if he if he went into the prison. Uh, but it, it's a good scene to have because that's exactly how Stu was with everybody. And prisoners are certainly a, a good one to to talk to. And I actually think that Mark Wahlberg really wanted that scene in the film because he felt a connection with that scene, you know, talking to prisoners straight. You know, and in some way, we're all prisoners right, um, right, in different ways. And I think the fact that Stu says, you know, as a prisoner, you know, who do you have to talk to? God. That's about it. And God's the only one that cares. And he wants, in some ways, to deliver you from prison. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to walk out of a little prison if you're incarcerated. But you can be free inside a prison. You can be free in whatever trial you have. And I think that was the point of that scene, is, is sending that message home that Stu talked straight to whoever was in front of him, and they listened because he was authentic. You know, you, you made such a good point about being a prisoner in a, you know, behind bars, that we are all in some way enslaved to something that has imprisoned us. And this is the whole idea of sin, that we, mm-hmm. we don't even realize the prison that we are in um, because the sin that we are... Um, that we are a slave to is a sin that we don't even recognize as sin. I think prisoners uh, who are in a physical jail understand that their sin brought them to the prison. Um, but people outside of the, of the jail don't realize that, that you know, we're all sinners, but that that, that sinner, that, that whatever we're um, slave to, um, or that sin has made us a slave to that, um, and we are in yes, prison. Yes, I've, I've, I've met some prisoners who are freer <laughs> inside their cell than people who 
you know, travel the world. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I, 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 if you could kind of typify, though, some of his ministry, you know, like what really would be the focus of his ministry? Because obviously the 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 jail scene, the, the prison scene is not the bulk of it. But what? how would you typify his ministry? Like who would we talk to? Who did, yeah. who did he influence mostly? So, I, I, you know, he was as a priest, he had an assignment first on on the on the Indian reservation and he had already served there. So they knew him. Mm-hmm. And then they sent him to another place for a couple of years until his body just grew so weak. He had to be in a wheelchair full time. And the doctor said, look, he's going to have to be in a care center. I mean, we can't have him in a house and he, he requires too much work. And mm-hmm. um, so I remember really the, the day he moved back to Helena into Big Sky. I was assigned in Helena and kind of went over to see him uh, uh, a few days after he'd moved in. And he showed me around the room and, he, you know, he, anything we talked and he said, you know, this place looks pretty tough in here because there was a lot, you know, there was a, it was a, a, a tough facility. A lot of people were really suffering in that facility. And he goes, yeah. but this doesn't scare me because I've served in places like this. I know the people in this place are human. I'm looking forward to being able to, to be here with them and minister to them. And uh, he said, you know, now I'm in a wheelchair full time. And he said, this wheelchair, this is my cross right now. This mm-hmm. is, you're going to see, this is my cross. And I, I'm going to carry it for Christ. And he go. He said, I don't know for sure what I'm going to do because you're in a nursing home. You don't have any kind of assignment. And uh, God bless Bishop Thomas. He just said, whatever Stu can do, let Stu do. Let him give him free reign to, to do whatever. And so I had him pretty quickly uh, coming over to help me uh, do some masses where I was assigned. And it was tremendous having him come over. And people really liked that. Got him doing masses in the nursing home and in other nursing homes. And uh, pretty quickly thereafter, you know, people word began to get around, you know, initially Stu was had a lot of free time, but pretty quickly thereafter, people had these powerful encounters with Stu, whether it was a confession or counseling or just coming to meet this guy. And the last few years of his life, what was kind of a a nursing home turned into a church. You'd go in there and any given day and pretty early in the morning, the lines would start to form to get in to see Father Stu. And uh, sometimes it went all the way down the hall of the, of the care facility to, to the point the residents who were there, they could they had to maneuver around Stu's line to get in and out of their rooms, um, wow. which is pretty funny. And uh, the administrators were really tremendous there. They just let Stu operate as he needed to. They didn't really complain. Stu got to know a lot of the, the nurses and the caretakers there and uh, really loved them. And they and they, you know, had a good influence on on his life and then also he on theirs and then you know just basically big big sky church uh, catholic church is mm-hmm. what it became uh bishop thomas used to joke it was uh Stu was in room 227 and we used to joke it was the 227 chapel <laughs> because it was, it was just as much uh church going on as there was uh nursing home stuff you know it's amazing you know god's plan in everything that we don't see the plan happening when things go wrong in our lives. We don't see the, the greater plan. Um, medically speaking, though, I mean, did did he ever get kind of a prognosis that's, that all of those physical kind of accidents early on in his life maybe brought on this disorder? Is that, are they all at all connected? You know, that's the big mystery. Uh, we've, I mean, I've talked to his dad, Bill, you know, and we've, we've wondered what, you know, was it the bicycle accident when he was a kid? Uh, you know, it was a, just a simple autoimmune kind of thing. His mom actually died six months, 
Stu's mom died six months after Stu died from mm. an autoimmune disease. And so it oh. may just be a genetic thing. You know, who knows what it is in the body that triggers that. Um, but it, it was triggered. And, and ultimately, that was uh, kind of God's plan for Stu. And without it, I mean, he would have been an incredible priest. He was an incredible priest. But with, with that disease, it, it just amplified the vision of Jesus in his ministry, which was profound. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about, I mean, I've been reading certain things about him, and the, it really is this sort of idea of the power of suffering, the power and, um, you know, the purpose of suffering. And I think that's one of the great mysteries of life, is that when people encounter suffering, the initial reaction is to cry out to God, why is this happening to me, God? And many times they don't get the answer, but... I, it, you know, but Father Stu's example kind of shows, you know, this sort of heart level conversion that can happen yeah. when you understand the that that there is a purpose and a power behind suffering. Yeah, I would say the first thing is, you know, you don't need to go out and look for suffering. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, it it'll come by, by virtue of being a human being. Suffering will come in all forms. And then I think also Stu would always say, you know, God can handle the question, why have you forsaken me? I mean, that's that's not something that God can't handle. So when we cry out about why, it's it's not like we abandon God. We we just approach God to say, you know, as a father, why? Why this? Why this tragedy? Why this senseless stuff? Why do I have to, you know, slowly die or whatever it was? And for Stu, it was like, it, it's God's way of kind of healing us in the long term. So mm-hmm. right by his stripes, we are healed. Jesus' passion is the is the source for our healing. And St. Paul encourages us to unite our sufferings with that of Christ. And that's what makes it so powerful. So when we suffer, we have to remember we don't suffer alone. We suffer with and in Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself is a man of sufferings. And as we carry those sufferings to the cross, then we begin to understand the beauty and the power of the resurrection. The, and that is really the story of Easter. Uh, I, yeah, obviously, they plan the release of the film to go along with Easter because a lot of people will be in churches this weekend and next weekend because yeah. it's Orthodox. Yeah, uh, the Orthodox. Yeah, they'll, uh, start they'll, they'll be a, they'll they'll be in the God mode, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so, just your final thoughts, just about the movie and about Father Stu. Um, you know, I've got to imagine that you, you miss him. If you, he was your friend, you kind of miss um, his presence in your life. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely do. Because, I mean, Stu, I mean, I, there's a lot of wonderful priests that I have in my life and uh, that are friends. But Stu was one of those guys that he just kind of got me. And I mm-hmm. think I got him a little bit. And so the fact we were in the same place at the same time that God allowed that to happen, we were friends. And, you know, we, we could talk about all kinds of stuff. And we did. And when that's gone, you know, when that when that friendship is gone, you know, I think I missed him even more four and five years after his death than mm-hmm. I did the first three or four months, because you you know he just filled such a a, a good part in my life and was such a good a challenger to my faith and encourager and just a friend. We laughed a lot, and I missed you know laughing with him. But it's nice with this film; it it kind of it kind of shines a little light on like Stu's back. And uh, though it's not the same, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of getting to experience some things with my friend again. And that's yeah. a beautiful thing for me personally. I'm just like, it's so much fun going on this trip with Stu again. And the film, 
I, I think they, they really did. They, they stuck to their word. You know, we want to honor Stu and the film does that. It goes about it in a, in a way that, you know, they have to change some things and condense some things and really narrow some things and leave some things out. And that's fine. That I have no problem. They had to do that. Yeah. And, but in the end, the beats of Stu's life, his redemption, his conversion, and his yes to God, despite the suffering, um, is all there. And that's profound. And that's a beautiful story that they've told on screen. Uh, I want to thank you so much, Father Barb, for doing uh, for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Thank you so much for shedding some light on uh, on Father Stu, this sort of humble priest, uh, regular guy turned incredible priest, really. Yeah, well, it's good to be with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.